Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through a repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you. I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Jamar, what's up, my man? Man, it is a beautiful Thursday. It is. Who would have thought we'd be here talking about crypto after about four or five years of hanging out? <laughs> hey, you were so early. I am so embarrassed that I used to make fun of Bitcoin and like cryptocurrency. It's just lack of education. But I think there are a lot of people like me, you know, who are like starting to come around and be like, man, I had an opportunity to learn about this six years ago and I didn't. It's like mega regret, but at least I got in while I did because we're still kind of early, I guess, in the scheme of things. Hey, we're, I think we're extremely early. I mean, this technology moves so fast, and I don't think people realize that the the whole digital space is technology and currency and money. You know, those are two things that people historically haven't you know mastered. You know, we've always given our money to someone else to manage, and then technology has been so young that you know the older generation never really embraced it. So, you know, we still have. A huge upside. And tell me how you got into, like, wh- what was the first time you actually saw what crypto was? How did you get into this world? So, you know, actually in 2009 and 10, I had a, a million dollar real estate company in Arizona. You know, I was in the tech space. I have a background in computer science. One of the tech guys I, I went to college with came down to buy real estate and he was like, hey, you know, you should get some Bitcoin. And I was like, what the hell is Bitcoin? And so he, he basically walked it down. That was a new currency. You know, he's buying $300,000 houses back then. And he was like, I was like, all right, bro. Like, you know, I kind of blew him off. Like, yeah, I'll buy some. And it was 2010 and, and we were going to uh, buy some. I signed up for a local Bitcoin. And then, you know, we're in my office and we're sitting there and we're talking about it. I was like, all right, so how do we buy? He was like, oh, no, we have to go to the 7-Eleven and we have to do a money ground. And, what? you know, I blew him off like, you know, in my mind. It's like, bro, we're not. I, I've never sent a money gram in my life. That sounds crazy. That we're gonna go to a Seven Eleven and send a money gram. It's too much work. I was like, you know, I blew them off <laughs> because you know I signed up for the account. So I have an account from 2010 that I never bought Bitcoin and local Bitcoin because it was too much work to go to the Seven Eleven. I thought that was for poor people. Like, you know, who, who sends a money gram? And 2015, you know, about six years later, I'm working at a prop firm, trading with other traders. And they're talking about how much money they're making on, on Bitcoin. And it came again. And for that for that year, I kind of watched it. I started trying to trade it. And then 216, I realized that, you know, the community, it, it was almost like a underground finance. And it was people making a ton of money back then. I actually left the prop firm. I just started day trading it myself. In 2016, I, I was day trading. Bitcoin, right? Yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Litecoin. <laughs> And, you know, I wasn't keeping it. I was like a trader. I had a trader, day trader mentality, just buy and sell, buy and sell. 2017 came and I made a ton of money, but I was buying and selling. And, 
you know, 2000, uh, 2017, I, I, you know, people wanted me to teach them. And so I just made an offer one weekend. Hey, I, you know, I'll teach people how to trade crypto and how to get into it. And from there, it just became a, a kind of a movement. But I realized that, you know, just from 2016 to 17, how much money I lost by selling. And so during that time when Bitcoin was up, I know it had a community before it was known. So there was always a market for it because there was always people that was trying to accumulate it. And guys were telling me not to sell. They were like, no, just hold it. Don't sell it. Don't trade it. And I was like, you know, my thing is being safe. And if I get in and out, you know, <laughs> it would be okay. And what happened was that 2018, I had so many people wanted to learn trading from me that I kept accumulating. So 18 and 19 were the, were the down years. And at that point, I believed in it. And I had invested too much. And I was like, hey, I'm all in. Like, I can't turn back now. I have uh, a community. I have masterminds that, and Bitcoin is dropping. And I was like, it had a community. It had a base. Uh, it's a global currency. You know, the laws of supply and demand is here. So question for you. When you started day trading Bitcoin, what was it? 300, 400 bucks? It was about 250, 300. How much were you buying and selling, like volume-wise? Probably, I mean, I was, my, my, my average trade when I was trading stocks was about 2,500. So I was buying about maybe, you know, 10, 10 to 15 Bitcoin during oh that time. I was gosh. looking for a couple of hundred bucks. <laughs> my God. You know, my goal was $1,000 a day back then trading. That's all I wanted was $1,000 a day. What are you at now? Like 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand a day? Nah, I mean... I think on I think on a swing trading like a hundred thousand a week. I mean a ten percent swing. If you have a million dollars, you know ten percent and crypto moves a lot, a lot better than ten percent a day. Explain what uh, swing trading is and like what's the ethos behind it. Right. So day trading is, is five five minute, ten minute. You know, uh, within a day, you're in and out of the trade in a day. Swing trading is more fundamentally where I'll take a position, I'll buy into it over a couple of days, and you know, anticipating momentum. I'll sell in two to three weeks or sometime, you know, lately it's been a couple of days and you're normally setting a goal of, you know, anything plus 10%. So, you know, one of the ones we got into is like Arcana that we bought at 11 cent and it went up to $2.50. So, you know, a position of 2000 turned into 50 grand in a week. Now, are you said you're, you're doing predetermined exits. Like here's what you're going to exit at when you buy. No, I mean, at this point, you know, the, the fundamentals are so strong and it's so bullish that if it doesn't move in a week, then then we'll, we'll get out. But normally it's already up 15, 20%. So yeah, I tell the guys, that, hey, make sure you're debt free. Make sure you pay off everything you have. And at that point, you know, it is, you know, we're just in a blessed time in history. No margin? Nah, I don't, I don't use margin. Uh, the day traders do because they can get into a trade for a couple of hundred bucks and that's their risk. Uh, but for me, you know, it depends on your account size. If you have a pretty decent account, it's like... Uh, I don't want to be a slave to the charts or a slave to the screen. So I don't spend a lot of time in front of watching a position. Yeah. Gotcha. This is just a personal question. I have no idea. Can you use options in crypto? Yeah, you can use options on Ledger X. We actually did some options in January for the end of the year. We, we bought, we said that Bitcoin was going to a hundred thousand. The options cost was like $30. Whoa. <laughs> Ledger X. Yeah. So is right that now. An exchange? Uh, yeah, Ledger X is the exchange. It offers uh, crypto futures trading. Can you short as well? You can short as well. Wow. You can do all the same stuff. When the institution traders came, it actually made it better. It, it made 
crypto is the best asset to trade because you have true visibility. You don't have any dark pools like you have in the stock market. You don't have any dark data feeds. Everything is on a blockchain. It's transparent. We can track when money is coming in. And it doesn't shut down. Doesn't shut down. And I think in the future, the stock market is going to be open 24 hours as well. For them to maintain any kind of uh, you know interest, they're going to have to kind of start adapting some of the crypto trading ways. It's, it's too much money being made you know, for the stock market to shut down. It's not a real desirable place to be because now I have full control. I can get in and out of trades anytime I'll, I would like. So you, you think Bitcoin is hitting 100K end of year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's never been a time in history we had all these institutions in, uh, and in, there's always a, a Santa Claus rally. Uh, I think we'll see it again this year. So, yes. What, what's your Ethereum prediction end of year? Obviously not financial advice. I'm holding it until 10,000. 10,000. By the end of the but, year. Do you like Solana? I love it. We, we, we were big in it in August. We, we bought a ton of it. You got it like uh, before it blew up? Uh, we got that, the, the, the DJN apes, and you know we, we got the first NFTs that came out. So we have, a, we have teams that focus on every blockchain. And all they do is when a blockchain start moving, we hop in for the momentum. I love that, dude. We <laughs> talked about that a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah, you're, you're pretty smart. You know what you're doing. How many different coins are you in right now? Like, do you have a max that you're like, I'm not going to overexpose or? Um, no. So what I do is um, I take the momentum trades. Once they get up uh, to a point where I'm at 100%, I'll take uh, my initial back or 50 to 70%. And then I move the 30% over to a long-term account and I just never touch them again. Gotcha. So you just, you pull it out, grab your cross spaces. Plus 20%. Plus 20, leave the rest to let it ride. Let it ride. Nice. Yeah, that's something um, I've done that in real estate for four years, but I did that for the first time with one of the Solana NFTs. It was Baby Apes. Okay. A few weeks ago. Right. I was like, yeah, this is like real estate, but it's compressed everything down. So rather than it taking 28 months, 32 months, it's like two and a half days to pull your money back out of it. And that's how I got in. That's how I got into stock trading. I had a, I had a real estate business coach and he, he swung trade and he did developments in Arizona. And uh, when the market you know went down, he was like, well, so what are you going to do next? And I was like, I want to do what you do. And he was like, you know, well, right now I'm dumping a ton of money into the stock market. It was just when it all crashed. And for us, he was like, all right, put a hundred thousand in. And you know, we were buying houses for four or five hundred thousand, you know, six hundred thousand. So a hundred thousand was my first trade really into swing trading. And you know, Facebook was just coming out. The whole economy had kind of crashed, and we put a hundred thousand in and in about eight months it was a, it was about one ninety. And so back then it was like, Man, I, I didn't do any work, I had no office space, I had no employees, and I was able to make that. Whereas you know, it, it kind of just told me that was the best use of my time. Yeah. And you just kept doing that. Yeah. Uh, you get the buck and you get greedy and emotions take over. And I lost 50,000 when I started trying to day trade because day trading and swing trading is different. <laughs> so they, they, yeah. What's the difference? What's the difference? How would you explain it to a, to a two-year-old? A swing trader, you understand over a period of a month or two, you're going to be up and down. As a day trader, you only want to be up. So you, you want to stop out it is hard for you to make a fast decision if you're haven't studied that stock or understand how it moves. You don't understand the news. So day traders, you know, really they should be professional traders that spend a lot of time understanding the ebbs and flow of the market. A swing trader, you can read the news that, hey, Disney is investing in ESPN and going to get new commercials and have a subscription base. And, you know, it's just a matter of time before their profits go up. I was telling somebody the other day, 
like I know the fundamentals of investing. Like you want to buy low, sell high, all those things. But I got a paper account and I was crushing it, crushing. <laughs> I, w- I was the best trader ever, made millions of dollars in a paper account. But then when you take it to real life, it's like um, I'm supposed to buy right now, but I, I'm so terrified to do it because it's too low. It, it's so counterintuitive that your emotions kind of sometimes take over. Over the summer, I was buying like 35, 36K a day of Bitcoin because it was so low. And dude, I should have kept going, but I was like, well, what if this doesn't come up? And the narrative <laughs> got in my head. Right. And so I stopped. And then what do you what do you think happened when Bitcoin hit 67 out of 66? I was like, I need to go buy some more Bitcoin. I was like, wait a minute. Right. I'm doing this backwards. I guess the the thesis is still correct and like we still have upward mobility up and to the right. So you could still buy, but you know, if it's the dollar cost average is so brilliant because it just removes all of your emotions. But when you get into it like you, you, you have the proper research to know like kind of where the swings are going. I think that's what's so cool. And it's the environment, right? I mean, because when I got into trading, I bought during the, the worst time and the best time. The best time to invest in the stock market, but kind of one of the worst times in, you know, modern history to to take the chance. You know, you have banks and investment firms collapsing. But I think the biggest the biggest thing, you know, and, and you know this, Taylor, is that when you have a mentor or you have guidance and someone's yes. already been through it, you know, he basically is like, no, this is when we buy. And so to me, traders shouldn't trade alone because you have that emotions in your head and sometimes outside circumstances impact your decision making. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anyone to bounce them off, you know, bounce it off against. To keep you sane. Keep you sane. <laughs> 100%. On that note, we'll put this in the show notes, but you have the $1 obstacle right now, becoming your own bank obstacle. Right. That's live. Is that live right now? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's live right now. And it's really just a introduction to you know, becoming your own bank on Ave, uh, moving onto platform and basically borrowing from, from yourself, from your own assets. Yeah. Okay. So dcgelite.com slash one, the number dollar obstacle. That's the URL I have. People should check that out. Uh, we'll put some of the other links in the show notes. I got four minutes before I got to hop on another meeting about one of the other companies. So let me, let me give you a fire run real fast of just like some quick questions. Is that cool? Yeah, let's go. What was your last big mistake? Man, my last big mistake is probably, I mean, the biggest one I had was, you know, personally, is, is probably getting a divorce mm-hmm. <laughs> and allowing my, you know, allowing the economy to uh, put a divide between a family. Yeah. You learn some good lessons when that happens, though. Right. When was that? I mean, that, that, that was 2009. I was hey, last yeah, big You haven't. You haven't made a mistake in 2009, man. That's well, I mean, I big mistakes, bro. I mean, all of them mistakes are just life. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a <laughs> nugget. That's a gold nugget right there. All of the mistakes are just life, just life, just tuition. You know, my dad always used to say, "This is uh, this is not a setback. This is tuition. This is the this the payment you make to right. earn the education you need." Here's another question: favorite asset class, just one, and why? Relationships. Because uh, I can lose property, I can lose crypto, I can be hacked, but my word and my name and the relationships that I develop with people, I gain unlimited exposure and experience. I can attest to that. That's you. You walk the you walk the talk on that. You're an over deliverer, which we talked about, but right. it's it's a sign <laughs> of your character. When you go all out, 
When you go in on somebody, you go all out on somebody, and that's awesome. It's admirable. Somebody got to trust first, right? Someone has to take the first move if you want it. 100%. 10 years from now, what's one thing that you think will be different and one thing that you think will be the, the exact same? I think the relationships and people will be separated. I think the metaverse will bring people together, but also separate them because they won't have that personal interaction and human relationship and, and bond. But also I think what will be better, it is the the people that stay in contact physically, you know, have a human experience with other humans. Uh, I, I value that the most. Yeah, 100%. Anything that I didn't ask you or anything you want to ask me before we wrap up? Man, I would love to know, where do you think crypto and real estate is going in the next five years? Woof. Well, I am already starting to see tokens in like infiltrate real estate. I'll tell you what I want to happen in the next five years. I would love there to be the same level of integrity and authenticity in real estate that there is right now in crypto. You can't see a lot of stuff in real estate. A lot of stuff is behind the scenes. Yeah, we have to have brokers and there's mortgage fraud and there's all these things like, you know, I think we're headed to a place of of new opportunity with crypto cryptographic signing signing and really having transparency inside of fractional funds. It's going to be interesting to see how the whole build for rents and nightly rentals and Airbnbs and like are can you see Airbnb integrating an NFT platform or a token or or some sort of reversal of the structure of payment because really we have like we kind of have an elitist type of system where like to own a piece of airbnb the owner and the user are two different people but when we merge the owner and the user together i feel like that's kind of the the future web 3.0 infiltrating all the all the the services that's my thought i 100 percent agree i think in the future you'll have a token a wallet and you'll get access to properties and, and locations and you know, instead of the rewards programs they have for American Express, you'll have a token that gives you access into the Delta Lounge or into a house or into a party. And I think the middle class will be priced out. And I think crypto is part of that elitist program. And real estate is also part of that elitist program, because if they own the real estate, you'll be locked out of it. And right yeah. now we see middle class and low class, you know, middle class folks being priced out of real estate right now. And they're not going to be able to gain that wealth. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. People got to fix their income, that's for sure. Everybody wants to know uh, what the sequence is. It's income first, in my opinion. Unless you can learn, unless you can get into a program like yours, which can allow you to take a little bit and, and invest it to create a lot. But income, in my opinion, is what allows you to take the risks necessary. You know, you, you have a level of risk exposure you can tolerate because of the income. Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people miss that. If, if you don't have the income, you are, des you are so desperate for yield that you'll make bad decisions. Right. And so hopefully people that are watching the show can you know, not only get inspired by you, but can also learn from your story and where you came from. Uh, and we'll send some people your way. Man, it's awesome having you on the show. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me. Man, we'll do this again once you're a billionaire. And <laughs> you'll, you'll probably hit there before I do. Hey, no, I, I, hey, it's not about the billions, man. I just like the freedom and independence. You know, if I can ask for anything, it is freedom and independence for people so they're not compromised. Yep, and autonomy. Yep, 100%. 100%. All right, everybody. Uh, this has been Jamar James. Check them out. We'll post all of the URLs in uh, the show notes. Man, have a wonderful rest of your Thursday.